You're listening to the Scottsdale Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scottsdale Baptist Church, visit our website at scottsdale.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Good morning and welcome to Scottsdale. So glad that you're here. Those of you who are joining us online, thank you for inviting us into your home. Two weeks ago, we had a great time of celebration where you were given poppers and we celebrated together that we are now debt free. And let me explain to you, yeah, let me explain to you what that means. That means we owe nothing on any buildings or facilities or our land. We owe nothing to the banks. We are debt free. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean we still do not have a budget. It doesn't mean that we still don't need your faithful giving because we still have a number of things that we do every single week. We have ministry, we have missions, but we now also have maintenance issues. And the money that we are saving on a mortgage, now we're able to put aside to take care of maintenance issues in the life of the church. And the older the buildings get, the more maintenance we have. We need a new septic system out here in the front yard. That's the last thing you think about spending your money on, but we need that. We need uh, some compressors for um, the family lot for the, for the Cross Point Center. We need some roof repairs, and we also need our parking lot striped, and all those things. You get what I'm coming at. All of these things are still coming. So your faithfulness and giving to the Lord is continuing us to be good stewards of the things that God has given to us, even though they're paid for, because now we got to take care of those. So help us out. Continue to be faithful in your giving and that, so we can continue to do all the ministry and the missions that God has called us to do. Well, in 1965, a group of cultural philosophers showed up on a scene in the UK. And these philosophers came up with a piece that really was capturing the UK by storm. And in that piece, there was a particular line that would pop up. And everyone was drawn to that line. Well, those philosophers made their impact not only in the UK, but they came all the way to the United States. And in the early 60s, 1965 and on, it was capturing people by storm. Older people, younger people alike were were buying this piece. In fact, they were going around reciting this piece to one another constantly. For this piece really began to capture the essence of the human condition. And the one line that stood out over and over and over and that people from 1965 today still know the same line, and that line is, I can't get no satisfaction. (laughs) And those cultural philosophers were the Rolling Stones. And of course, they were able to capture that, and it aptly displays the human heart, does it not? that we still can't seem to get any satisfaction, though I try and I try and I try, I can't get no satisfaction, no, no, no. So we still remember that song. And every single marketing agency, every um, advertising campaign knows that to be true. They know within the human heart, we can't seem to be satisfied enough with the things that we have. Isn't that true? That's why every year a new car rolls off on the deal, from the dealership. Every year iPhone comes up with a new phone with new devices and new applications. Every year new gadgets show up, new clothes show up. And the culture knows that we can't get any satisfaction. Here's why. Because we chase after the things that can never satisfy us. And we chase after the things that we already have. And we keep looking for more of the same, but better. And all of these things are nothing but trinkets that impersonate 
meaning, and purpose. When we get to the book of Ecclesiastes, that's the whole point of what Solomon is writing. And today we're in our fifth week of the book of Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be looking at chapter 5. So take your Bibles, your devices, and open to chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. Before we jump into that, let me just remind you of where we've been. The book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon, the wisest, the wealthiest, the most powerful man in the world. And he's on this quest of trying to find those things that will bring meaning and purpose. And right from the very beginning of the book, in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, he says, everything is meaningless under the sun. And what he's saying is under the sun is a horizontal lifestyle. Under the sun is a lifestyle that's fed by my five senses. Under the sun is a lifestyle that is a secular lifestyle in nature that leaves God out of the picture. And as long as you're doing life under the sun, there will never be any meaning and purpose. But we are called to go beyond the sun. Rather than just living horizontally, we are to pursue the vertical. And in every single chapter of this book, he's reminding us of that truth. But when we get to chapter five, something interesting happens here. When we get to chapter five, he has a rare glimpse of the vertical. He moves out of the horizontal for just a moment and he steps into the vertical. And he seems to be leaving this wilderness, this dry, dusty place. And now he's taking us to an oasis. But in chapter five, he points out two things that we often are dissatisfied with. I was going to preach the entire chapter today. That's a bit aggressive. So what I'm going to do is only look at verses one through seven today. Next week, we'll finish that chapter, part two of I Can't Get No Satisfaction, subtitled No, No, No. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at chapter five, verses one through seven. And the first thing he says that we often are dissatisfied with is something that might be a little bit alarming to us. Here's where he begins. He says, we're dissatisfied with worship. We're dissatisfied with worship. Now, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to get real and honest. We're just going to deal with the rawness and the vulnerability of our own emotions today and the reality of where we are when this whole thing of worship comes about. Because let me tell you, there are a lot of people who seem to be in a wilderness today when it comes to worship, when it comes to a devotion with Christ, when it comes to a close relationship with him. Let me ask you a few questions before we begin. Do you ever feel that you get everything right theologically and doctrinally? You know scripture, you know history, you know the answers, but Jesus seems far from you. Have you ever been to a place where you are giving people answers for the problems of their own lives and yet those very answers that you're giving are not even satisfying the aching of your own soul? Are there times that you come and you gather in a corporate gathering such as this or maybe a small group or maybe with college or maybe different areas in the church and you watch people who seem to get it? People who seem to know this deep emotional relationship with God. They're singing and they're lifting their hands. They're taking notes. They're shouting amen. Two of you are shouting amen when I preach. And yet you're wondering, thinking, 
what's wrong with me? Why am I not feeling that? Where am I? Why do I feel like I am in a spiritually dry place where I go through the motions, but there seems to be no emotion? Here's what Solomon is doing in these seven verses. He's taking us through that wilderness because he's there. And when you look through the pages of scripture, you find a lot of godly men and women who lived in the wilderness, who've had these times of dryness, these times where they just feel like they're missing it, where everybody else seems to be flourishing in joy. They're sitting back faking it because something is missing inside. And here's what Solomon's gonna do. He not only pinpoints this as a reality, but he gives us four things in this passage of what we need to do to move out of the wilderness and to a place where our hearts are set aflame afresh with the very power and the presence of God. So let's look at verses one through seven. Here's what Solomon says. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Then he says next, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business and a fool's voice with many words. Verse four, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not repay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger, that is the priest or the, the, the preacher, that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Verse seven. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. He gives us four things in this passage that I wanna just share with you that's been personally helpful in my own journey. Because I wanna tell you, I've been through dry places. I've been in the wilderness. I've been where it seems like my prayers are just echoing off the ceilings. I've been to the place where my heart was empty. And even though I went through the motions and I continued to do all of those things, I was striving in the flesh to do something and accomplish something that only the Spirit could do. And I want to give you these four things today that Solomon gives to us. Here's the first thing he says to us. He says, look at your feet. Look at your feet. When you're in time of wilderness and there time, seems to be a time of dryness, look at your feet Notice what he says in verse one. He says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Now that's an interesting phrase, guard your steps. They're going to the house of God. The people of God are going to worship and he's telling them, watch your steps. Be careful how you go to the house of God. Now the real meaning is this, guard the direction of your life. And if you're going to the house of God, make sure that you're guarding your life. Now, what does that mean? Let me put it this way. Your feet will never take you anywhere that your heart doesn't first direct. Your feet will never take you anywhere that your heart doesn't first direct. 
So he's ultimately saying this, as you go to the house of the Lord, make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that your motives are pure. Make sure that you're going to the house of the Lord for the right reasons. And that means this, when I go to the house of the Lord, why am I going? We're living in a culture in America where worship is more about the individual than it is about God. It's more about our feelings and what we can get out of church rather than what we can bring when we come to worship. And a lot of times the reason we're empty and we're dry is we're coming to a place and we have our hands to receive, but we don't give. Some years ago, Victoria Osteen, who's the wife of Joel Osteen, was on the platform at their church and she stood before this congregation which was recorded on video, and she captured the essence of American Christianity. Here's what she said. When we obey God, we're not doing it for God. We're doing it for ourselves because God takes pleasure when we're what? Happy. When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. This video clip went viral. Churches all across America begin to push back on that, and rightly so, because there's something theologically wrong with that whole philosophy. It becomes a therapeutic approach to Christianity where I'm only coming because I want the very best for myself. Now, let me just say something. Before we go push back too hard on Victoria, she was probably more prophetic than she ever thought she would ever be. Because we could push back and we say, oh, no, no, no. The shorter Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That is right. But here's what I've come to understand. More people follow what she said than we care to admit. Because when we come to church for us, it begins to be about me. It's not to exalt God. It's not to edify one another. It's not to evangelize the world is to make me feel good about who I am and where I am and what God has for me. Now, no, don't get me wrong. There should be joy in the house of the Lord that we said today. But it's not just about me. And the problem with this whole view is we do this all the time. Let me give you some practical illustrations of how we do it. We come in every Sunday, and you know what we do? We critique all the aspects of the services, don't we? Oh, I like that song. Mm, I like that beat. Man, that stirred my heart. Mm, I don't like that song. Man, I can't follow that song. I don't know why they played that song. Man, the band was tight today, man. Whoo, maybe get up on my feet and keep... Man, I couldn't even clap my hands at the band today. Man, they got me so far off. I don't like the flow. The flow just wasn't good. It just didn't move me. Man, those sermons by Pastor Phil lately, man, they've just been really too theological or they're too long or maybe they got too many jokes. Maybe they got too many corny jokes. Maybe they got not enough jokes. And you know what? I'm not really stirred anymore. And and when I leave here, I feel kind of empty about this. So you know what I'll do? I'll find another church. I'll find another place. After all, Wilmington is the city of steeples, which means there are a lot of churches. And I'll go to this church and this church and this church, and I'll find a church that makes me feel the way I need to feel until it doesn't. That's the problem with the American church today. And let me tell you, the problem is this. Whenever you hold that view, 
And you critique to such a way of did that stir me and my heart? Then you begin to hold the leaders of the church responsible for your emotional state spiritually. And here's what happens. You get together and you hope that Phil and Matt has put together a good service today. I hope that, that Phil and Matt have prayed over this and that the Holy Spirit falls. I pray that Phil's messages are going to change me, inspire me, drive me from all temptations, and I'll never deal with lust or sin again. Come on, Phil, bring it. <laughs> and I don't. And then what ends up happening? There's an emotional dryness. Why? Are you guarding your feet? Are you going to the house of the Lord with the right motive? Are you coming for the glory of God? Are you coming to give to him your sacrifices of praise? And here's what I've come to discover. We tend to look at the next convention, the next music, the next podcast, the next event to stir my hearts. And I've come to understand this. The reason we're off is we have drifted away from the historical areas in our lives that have stirred our hearts to Jesus. We've drifted away from the historical points of my life that has stirred me to a relationship with Christ and to go deeper, and we've moved away from that. And then that means that we have run to historical places that draw me from him, which means this, that if you are going in a dry time, where are your feet? Where are your feet? Where's your heart? Are you really coming for the purpose to honor and glorify your creator and your savior? Or are you looking for the next emotional response that you will feel good until you don't? You see, many times when we're in a dry place, our feet are leading us in the wrong areas. So he says, look at your feet. Here's the second thing he says. Oh, it gets better. Listen for his voice. Look at your feet. Listen for his voice. Look at the second part of verse one. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. It's better to listen. Now, let's be honest. When we're in that dry place, it is hard many times to hear from God, isn't it? Let's be honest. When I'm in that, that, that spiritually dry place, I'm trying to hear. And we say to Solomon, I get it, I get it. To listen is better than sacrifice, but Solomon, you don't understand. I can't hear God. He's either too far or he's not loud enough. And I need to listen to him. Solomon is saying this, when you are in that dry place, the thing you have to do is stop. You've got to get to a place where you seek to turn off the noise around you so you can hear the whisper of God in you. Now, I want to tell you, you got to be serious about this. If you're saying, I really want to hear the voice of God, then you have to say this, I want to hear you, God, and whatever you say, even if I don't like it, I need to hear it. But you know what we want to do? We want to barter with God so many times, don't we? We want to barter with him. Well, 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 well God, I, I hear you, but just to let me remind you of this, we have nothing to barter with. Nothing. I was reading about Shaquille O'Neal and his kids the other day. Shaquille O'Neal walked in the room and he heard his children talking about how rich they were. 
And so he said, family meeting, pulls everybody aside, puts them all on the couch. He says, kids, I want to clear one thing up with you. What's that? He said, you ain't rich. He said, I'm rich. You're poor. This house is mine. The room you live in is mine. All the cars we have, mine. Food, mine. Electricity, mine. TV, mine. Yours, nothing. You're not rich. And here's what we do sometimes. God must chuckle at us when we say, okay, God, okay, God, I'll listen to you. But, but look, 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 if you do this for me, then I will give you my money. And God chuckles and says, your money? The gold and the silver are mine. Okay, okay, I'll give you my time. Your time? I give you 24 hours every single day. Well, how about the a cow? The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And then God says, let me make this real easy for you. Psalm 24, one says this, and I wrote this, the earth is mine and all the things therein and all the people. Now, what is left out? Nothing. So we can't barter with God. Here's what we need to do. We need to say, I need to hear from you. And I need to hear the truth of what you need to say to me today. And I'm willing to listen. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, King Saul disobeyed God because he offered a sacrifice that he was not supposed to offer. And Samuel reminds him of this truth. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. You hear that? To listen. The word listen means to hear with the anticipation of doing something. It's not just hearing. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. No, I'm listening. So what you tell me, I will do. And that's the whole point of this. It's not enough just to watch our feet. What's the motive of my heart? But when God begins to speak to me in that desert place, am I serious and willing to not only listen, but to give obedience to what he has to do? I've been reading this book recently called Distracted Witness. It's an incredible book. And Distracted Witness is about with all the white noise in our culture today and all the social media and all the opportunities that we can be distracted by, we no longer take time to reflect, to contemplate, and to think deeply about issues. And he's right. Because what happens if I begin to reflect on something I'm uncomfortable with it, I just turn something else on or I turn something off. And we're constantly turning on devices. Why? Because we don't like the thoughts that we're dealing with. And until you and I get to the place when we're willing to shut everything down and to just listen to what God has to say to me, I will stay in that wilderness and it will get drier and more dusty. And my soul begins to be more and more parched instead of taking the path that God has for me. So what do you do? Tune in to the word of God. Saturate your mind with scripture. Go to those places that historically once stirred your heart, a quiet time, a time where it's just you and God. Listen to praise music during the course of the day. I would even say to you, listen to good Bible teachers who are solid, 
podcast. Some of you might be saying, what's a podcast? Is that a small fishing pole? No. A podcast, a podcast is, is a wonderful opportunity with technology to be able to hear men and women teach truth about Scripture. And when we pour ourselves into that and we tune into that and we listen so that we can hear what God may say, then we're watching our feet and we're listening for the voice of God. So look at your feet. Listen for his voice. Here's a third one. Oh, I love this one. Limit your words. Limit your words. What do I mean by that? Well, here's what Solomon writes. He says, be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. Let me ask you, have you ever known a person? Have you ever known a person that talks a lot? Don't look at the person next to you. Look at me, okay? (laughs) Have you ever known a person that talks a lot? This is the person that'll call you and they'll talk to you on the phone for 20 minutes before asking you, are you going to church tomorrow? That's all they really wanted but they're gonna take 20 minutes to talk about everything from politics to the NFL trades to NCAA basketball and who's winning. And oh, by the way, you're going, we all have people like that. And you might be thinking, I don't know of anybody like that. Guess what? You're him. And so, <laughs> and you're saying, no, no, I'm really not him because I think the guy that's him is the guy that works with me, you see, and I'm, no, you, you're him, trust me, Okay. But here's the thing that that happens. Sometimes we talk so much. I I tell my staff all the time, if you got something to say, don't build me a clock, just tell me what time it is. And you know what I think sometimes when we go to God and we cry out to him, he almost sometimes is saying, too much, too much. Don't build me a clock. Tell me what time it is. Tell me what's on your heart. You see, to be authentic with God is more important than being eloquent in a prayer. I love the way that um, John Bunyan says it. He says, a heart with few words is better than many words and no heart. C.H. Spurgeon put it this way. He says, it's not about the length of your prayer, but the strength of your prayer in authenticity. And I love what Derek Kidner says. Oh, this just blows my mind. He says, a lot of times our prayers are nothing but verbal doodling. Have you, ever, have you ever doodled? When do you doodle? When you're not interested in what the person's saying. Like some of you right now, you're writing on the envelopes. <laughs> you doodle. And sometimes we're in prayer with God and we're doodling and we're just going through the words. We're using a lot of words and God is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, shh. Tell me what's on your heart. Tell me honestly, gut-wrenchingly honest prayers that reveal the deep, darkest areas of your life. That's what we need to do. I, I, listen, if you go and you want, read to the Psalms, you know what you'll find? You'll find a lot of times psalmists offered prayers that were not theologically correct. But God didn't blast them. He heard them. Let me give you an illustration. David says in the Psalm, how long will you forget me, O Lord? Now we know theologically that's incorrect. God is never going to forget 
anyone. He knows us from eternity past. He knows us into eternity future. But David cries and says, how long will you forget me? Now, you know what God could have said? Forget you. David, are you kidding me? Listen, I was there when you slew Goliath. How can I forget the power that I gave to you? Look in your tent. There's his sword. There's his shield. Or he could have said, forget you. How can I forget you when you were hiding in the desert and you were following my word and rather than attacking and killing Saul, you trusted me and I delivered you. David, how can I forget you? I will never forget you. Or he could have said, remember when you sinned against Bathsheba and had her husband killed? How can I forget the grace I gave to you instead of the punishment you deserved? You see, God doesn't forget, but rather than blasting David, you know what he did? He met him where he was. Why? Gut-wrenchingly honest, real person talking to God. You know, you know what I don't get? I don't get is why is it that so many times we want to pretend that we're really not hurting before God? Do you think he doesn't know it? It's like playing hide and seek with my two grandchildren, Hudson and Hadley. I love playing hide and seek with them because the job is really, really easy. All right, the game is simple. Somebody hides, somebody seeks. But here's the thing what my grandkids always do. All right, pops, we're playing hide and seek. We're gonna be in the pantry. You come find us. <laughs> and every time I play hide and seek with Hudson and Hadley, they're in the pantry. And so I pretend, oh, I don't know where y'all are. And they're giggling, and I open it and, ah, he found us. Surprise, right? I love playing with them. I don't have to look far. Do you think God doesn't know where you are? You think he doesn't know the deepest struggles and the loneliness and the pain and the questions and the doubt and we like to pretend? Isn't that amazing? And he sees every single thing. My wife took me to a vegetarian restaurant a week ago. <laughs> I knew it was a vegetarian restaurant. Chris, where are you? Are you in here somewhere? No, she's right there. She's hiding. Okay. I can't ever find her. But we go to this vegetarian restaurant. And here's what, listen, I'm not against people who like to just eat vegetarian vegetables. If you're a vegetarian, if, what does that make if you're a humanitarian? I mean, I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> wait, boom, where did that come from? Okay. Fewer words, fewer words. We were in this vegetarian restaurant and they were boasting on the fact that they were vegetarians, that there was no meat. I get it. Just say we're vegetarians. Don't give me a piece of pressed soy and call it fried chicken. <laughs> it tastes like particle board, okay? So don't, and why is it if they're so boastful about being a vegetarian, why do they want to pretend things are meat? I don't get it. We had wings, buffalo wings, cauliflower. That's what it was. Chris had taco, fish tacos. It was banana blooms that were fried. Those, that's not meat. And you were pretending. And let me tell you, a lot of times we pretend before God, don't we? Oh, that's really not sin. That's just a weakness. Oh, that's not really how I feel, God. That's something else. And here's what God wants. In the dryness of the desert, 
be real. Be real. It's okay for you to be able to share your deepest struggle and even your anger with God because it never offends him or threatens him because in the midst of that, he meets you where you are. I've often said this, God fixes our prayers on the way up for those who really want to hear him. So what do you do? Look at your feet. Where's your heart? Listen for his voice. Turn off the noise. Limit your words. I know we have another scripture, but let's go to the last point. Here's a fourth one. Lean into God's promptings. I love this. Lean into the promptings of God. Here's what he says in verses four and five and six. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? What is he saying here? Here's what he's saying. He's saying basically that when you hear from God, follow the promptings that he is putting into your heart. The picture here is of the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And when you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit comes and he takes up residency within you. And when you hear certain things, the Holy Spirit presses upon your heart and says, yes, yes, that's what you need to do. And there are times in your life and my life when we're gonna be sitting in a place and we hear a message and the Holy Spirit says, yes, that's what you must do. Or you hear maybe the fact that, hey, you know what? You need to live your life with more contentment and be satisfied in what I bless you with. Yes, yes, that's what I need to do. Or you know what? You need to get plugged into one of our small groups, you and your husband, and this is gonna help your relationships in the church and with one another, and you're like, yes, that's what I need to do. You need to go forgive that person that's hurt you. Yes, that is what I need to do. And when the Holy Spirit begins to prompt us, listen to me carefully, when you're in a wilderness, and the Holy Spirit prompts your life with something to do. He is saying, here's the way out. Here's the water. Your soul is parched. You're dry. But here's the oasis for your life. And we sit back and we say, yes, that is right. And then we leave church and we don't do anything about it. We don't do anything. You ever had a person that you're talking to and they just repeat back? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I want you to do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I need you to go over here to the store. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, when they say that, you get the impression they're really not listening, huh? My wife hates it when I do that to her. She hates it. When we were first married, I always said, she'd say something, I'd say, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'd put it a little worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't do that, okay? But here's what I get the impression. We do that with God a lot of times. Here's a sin in your life that you need to confess and repent of. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't do anything about it. Here's a person you need to reconcile with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we don't do anything about it. And here's the problem. We ended up staying in a wilderness longer than God ever desires us to stay because he's given us the way to an oasis and we're not doing it. Maybe he's saying to some of you, 
your consistency with being with my people on a regular basis is not where it needs to be. And let me tell you the tendency. Sometimes we say, yeah, 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 yeah to God. Or sometimes what we do is say, you're right, you're right. And we make a promise, but we really don't plan to keep it. And as a result of not planning to keep it, the intention seems good, but we never get around to it. Or sometimes we make promises that we can't keep. Or sometimes we make promises that we shouldn't keep. So the whole point is when the Holy Spirit, when you're in the middle of this wilderness and he is pressing in and leaning into you and showing you what to do, keep your words few and follow the prompting of the Spirit of God in your life. You have to lean into him. Look at your feet. Where are you going? Listen for his voice. What do you hear? Limit your words. Be honest. And lean into his promptings to give obedience because this is your way out. Now, verse 7, he ties it together. For even when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. What does that mean? That means this. For those who are living in the fantasy world that they can say whatever they want and do whatever they want and not be in a dry place, vanity. It's crazy. Then he says this, but God is the one you must fear. God is the one you must fear. He's the one that we lean into. And that word fear means we are to have reverent awe for. And it means this, that we take him seriously. And when God begins to lean into our lives and he begins to tell us truth, we need to be serious with what he's saying. Because our father who loves us says, this is the way out. This is the oasis. Follow me and I will take you out of the wilderness. I'm going to tell you something you might not like to hear. Sometimes we're in the wilderness because of our spiritual neglect. Sometimes we're in the wilderness because of our sin. But sometimes we're in the wilderness because God puts us there. Because he wants to grow us in a place that only the wilderness can prepare us for. I, I think of some of the people who've gone through the wilderness. The people of Israel, 40 years. God used the wilderness to purge that whole nation of disbelief and disobedience. And he prepared a new nation for himself. I think of David is in the wilderness. And David's running from Saul. And it's in that time that God prepares his heart to be the king. Elijah is in the wilderness. After a great spiritual victory, then he wants to die. And God brings him to the place to humble him and to depend upon him. The Lord Jesus for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness to demonstrate his power over Satan and his commitment to live a life of purity without any sin. And then you and me, we can be in the wilderness. And I think maybe even today, some of you, some of us, maybe many of us are in the wilderness. And I don't know where you are. But God is speaking to you right now. And he's saying to you, here's my way out. Will you listen? Will you obey? Maybe for some of you, it's just been a dry place spiritually. You've been emotionally dry and the spirit of God is calling you 
to renew your walk with Christ today. Maybe some of you have been so distracted by our culture that it's been a long time since you've sat at the feet of Jesus, just you and him. Maybe some of you are afraid to share your deepest emotions with your heavenly father. And he's saying to you, come on, this is what I want to hear. Because what I have for you is far greater than the pain that you're currently feeling right now. And for some, he's calling you to lean into what he's been telling you to do. Here's what we're going to do this morning. Maybe some of you need Christ as your Savior. And the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to that place to surrender to him. Whatever it is, come out of the wilderness. He's prepared a road just for you. So here's what I'm going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. The band's going to come and sing. And while they're singing, I think they're coming to sing. Yeah, there they are. (laughs) As they're singing, this front, this altar is open. I don't have anything specific. We got eight minutes before this is over. Eight minutes. Wow. I'm done early today. But this is the opportunity for you to come. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what the Spirit of God wants to do. But he's calling you today out of the wilderness. Will you come? For those of you at home, you can get on your knees by your sofa, your lazy boy, or just sit up in bed. I don't know. But respond to what he's calling you to do. Let's pray. Father, quiet our hearts. The wilderness is real. There's some who are in it now. There's some who've come out of it. There's some who are about to go into it. But Father, may we listen to the promptings of your spirit now. If you're calling us to come forward and just lay our lives before you, may we be obedient and do that. Whatever it is, Father, we yield to you. Because when all the music fades away, you are there speaking, prompting, leaning, calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.